A confused and fragile faith is nothing new. At times, even the earliest followers of Jesus struggled to make sense of what the Savior was doing. Such was the case with two sisters named Mary and Martha when their brother Lazarus died. John chapter 11 records their story and the incredible miracle Jesus performed in raising Lazarus from the dead. The story also helps answer the question, where is God when life hurts? Where is God when disease inflicts our body? Where is God when his timing is not ours and he seems to delay? And where is God when death, life's greatest enemy, arrives on our doorstep? God is neither distant nor detached. He is near the brokenhearted. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. Have you ever been disappointed with God? If so, today's message from Dr. Ron Jones might be just what you need to hear. Hello, I'm Brian Davis. Thanks for being here for another Something Good Radio broadcast. You know, God's Word has a lot to say about faith, about trusting in God with all your heart. But sometimes our fallen nature interferes. We place expectations on God, and when He doesn't come through, we get disappointed. Today, Ron offers some encouragement to anyone who has lived through some of life's toughest challenges and unanswered prayers. As always, you can visit somethinggoodradio.org anytime to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From John chapter 11 and his teaching series, Believe the Miracles of Jesus. Here's Ron with today's Something Good Radio message, The Lazarus Miracle. Philip Yancey is an author who's worth reading because Yancey's not afraid to ask challenging and difficult questions about the Christian faith and try to answer those questions honestly. One example is a book that he published many, many years ago called Disappointing, Disappointment with God. And I remember when I first saw this book published, I thought, who in the world can be disappointed with God? And then I began to read the story that inspired Yancey to write the book. He was corresponding with a seminary student who was working on his master's degree, and this seminary student was writing his master's thesis on the book of Job, of all, of all books, a book about pain and suffering and difficulty. And Yancey and the seminary student were corresponding back and forth, and then one day Yancey was surprised to get an email or a text or some kind of a note from this student who said, uh, I don't believe it anymore. Uh, he, he was jettisoning his faith. Uh, he, he, he had reached a point where he was disappointed with God. And as the story began to unfold, uh, his, his disappointment developed around uh, the, the breaking up of his engagement and the divorce of his parents, uh, two, at least two circumstances that came upon him rather quickly. And, and he didn't know quite how to handle those and how to factor those into his faith. And, and so he just decided to abandon his faith. Uh, Yancey corresponded with this young man for several months, and uh, then he observed in his book, some people lose their faith because of a sharp sense of disappointment with God. They expect God to act a certain way, and, well, God lets them down. Others may not lose their faith, but they too experience a form of disappointment. They believe God will intervene they pray for a miracle, and their prayers 
come back answer, unanswered. Does that describe anybody here? Are, are you in a situation where you're kind of scratching your head wondering, where is God in this painful situation that I'm experiencing or this confusing situation? And your faith has become fragile. Your faith is, is, is on that uh, verge of, well, of, of jettisoning and running away. You're, you're at that point of kind of throwing up your hands and wondering, is this all worth it? Is it all really true or not? Well, a confused faith is, is nothing new. In fact, uh, even some of the early followers of Jesus at times were scratching their heads and wondering, what is this guy up to? Is he really the Messiah? And their faith was maybe disappointed or a bit fragile at times. And uh, one example of that is, is a story found in John chapter 11. And it, it focuses on uh, several people, but at the core of it is uh, two familiar characters in the Gospels, Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. Lazarus has grown ill, and he eventually dies. And this throws Mary and Martha into, into a confused faith. That's the word that I'll choose this morning, into maybe a, a place where they're, they're, they're wondering, where is Jesus? What is he up to? Why wasn't he here on time? He could have, he could have saved the situation. As Martha and Mary say, my, my brother didn't have to die, Jesus, if you had come here on time. And as the story unfolds, and I want us to turn our attention to John chapter 11 now, as the story unfolds, I find three or four things that have the potential of throwing our faith into confusion and maybe putting us into a place where we're a little disappointed with God and on the verge of uh, running away from our faith. Uh, the first of those things is, is disease, and this is where we begin in John chapter 11. It says, now a certain man was ill. Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her, whose brother Lazarus was ill. And so the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, John begins in chapter 11 saying, now a certain man is ill. And that certain man could be any one of us. It could be any man, any woman, any child. It could be one of you here today that received a, a report from the doctor's office you didn't expect. And you're facing an illness, a life-threatening illness. Uh, this early description also suggests to us that uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus uh, might have come from a, a wealthy family because Martha is the one you remember who cracked that expensive uh, vial of perfume and used it to anoint Jesus. Uh, only a wealthy family could afford such luxuries. Uh, this family also threw a big party for Jesus that's recorded in the Gospels. Again, they had the resources to do something like that. A little bit later in the story, we find Lazarus being placed in a cave tomb. Only the wealthy had uh, burial places like that in the first century. And so this was perhaps a, a very, very wealthy family, and it reminds us, uh, does it not, that... Uh, uh, money and influence and status in the community, even uh, your friends, even a close relationship with Jesus doesn't protect you from pain and suffering and even from disease. Pain is an equal opportunity employer, is it not? It crosses economic and social and religious and ethnic 
uh, even gender and geographic boundaries. You may have enough money to buy the best medical care in the world, but that money will not uh, buy you protection from disease and sickness and illness. Uh, this was a certain man who became ill, but it could be any one of us. And Jesus says, he, he drops this into the story John does early on uh, to maybe reshape our expectations about this painful situation. He says in verse 4, when Jesus heard this, he said, this illness does not lead to death for it is, it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Is it possible that God has a different view of pain and suffering than we do, that He uses it in some measure to glorify Himself? Well, that's what, that's what Jesus suggests here. He says this illness, kind of like the illness, the blindness of the man we talked about last week, where the disciples were confused. Was it this blind man or his parents who sinned? And He said, no, this man was blind from birth for this very purpose and for this very moment that God might be glorified. Likewise, Jesus says, this illness is not unto death, for it is the glory of God that is revealed in this case. You know, some of us, we're so busy trying to rewrite the story of our circumstances that we miss the glory. Let me say that again. Sometimes we miss the glory of God because we're trying to rewrite the story to get out of the painful circumstances that we're in. But God has a different view of pain and suffering, and He uses it to glorify Himself. Even death, ultimately death glorifies God because the Bible says He raises all. He raises all from the grave, some to eternal life, some to eternal death, but in both cases, the Bible would say that God is glorified. So of all the things that could confuse our faith, disease and sickness and pain is one. Another is when God seems to delay. You ever, you ever prayed for something? You're in, a, you're in a difficult situation and time is of the essence, and, and all you seem to get is is silence from heaven. Let's read on in verses 5 and 6. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when Jesus heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now, I read those words and I find them amazing. <laughs> Why when Jesus got news that his friend Lazarus was sick and Martha and Mary were concerned, why did he not just drop everything and go to Bethany? Why did he just linger on for two more days? When you and I get word that a friend or a, uh, a family member is ill, I mean, we, we, we leave the office, you know, we book a flight, we book a train ride, we get in the car, we go. We go to be with the family, don't we? But Jesus doesn't do that. How strange that he would do that. And all Martha and Mary here on the other side is, is silence, we might say. Is silence. He, he's delayed his coming. Why didn't he come quicker? Oswald Chambers in his uh, famous devotional, My Utmost for His Highest, reflects on this scene, and he asks this question, has God trusted you with his silence, a silence that is big with meaning? God's silences are his answers, he says. Think of those days of absolute silence in the home at Bethany. Is there anything analogous to those days in your life? Can God trust you like that? Or are you still asking for a visible sign? He goes on to say, God will give you the blessings you ask for if you will not go any further without them. 
But his silence, listen to this, his silence is the sign that he is bringing you into a marvelous understanding of himself. Is your faith strong enough to make room for God's delay? Delay according to your timetable, to our timetable? Is your faith uh, strong enough to allow room for God to just be silent? Just be silent and teach us to wait on Him. Sometimes those delays throw our faith into confusion and into times of disappointment. Up next, the second half of Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Lazarus Miracle. If you're a first-time listener to Something Good Radio, we'd like to send you a free chapter of Ron's most popular book, Mysteries of the Afterlife. Consider it our way of saying thanks for being part of our radio listening family. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org anytime and click the new listener button. And if you want to listen to our program on demand, remember every Something Good Radio message is archived at our website, somethinggoodradio.org. While you're there, share your prayer request with us using the How Can We Pray For You button so that our ministry team can join you in prayer. Well, not every God idea seems like a good idea. Sometimes he asks us to do the impossible, something that flies in the face of common sense. Ron has one in the rest of today's message, The Lazarus Miracle. Let's listen in. A third situation that may confuse our faith is when God gives us some directions that kind of go against our common sense. Let's read on beginning in verse 7. Then after this, Jesus said to his disciples, uh, let's go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world, but if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Uh, so Jesus receives the news that Lazarus is sick, he, he just stays where he is for another two days, and then after that, he says to his disciples, he doesn't say, let's go to Bethany, where Mary and Martha and Lazarus were. He says, let's go to Judea. And then disciples are scratching their heads thinking, Lord, what in the world do you want to go to Judea for? That was the epicenter of the antagonism that was growing against Jesus. And the last time they were there, they wanted to stone Jesus. It's the last place, if you're thinking in terms of common sense, it's the last place you would want to go. And why not make a straight line and a beeline to, um, uh, to Bethany? But Jesus directs His disciples in a way and in a direction that goes against every bit of common sense in them. Do you have enough room in your theology? Do you have enough strength in your faith for God to move you in a direction where every bit of common sense counsel that you're receiving right now says, no, don't go that way, go this way? We must leave room for that. But sometimes when, when the Lord's directing you one way and all of your kind friends and family members might be saying, no, you need to go this direction, this is the common sense way, uh, that throws our faith into confusion, and we're scratching our heads like the disciples did. 
and, and wondering, Lord, why are you directing me in this way? Jesus adds to the statement here. He says, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of the world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Remember, John is the one who loves to uh, pick up on Jesus' contrast between light and darkness. And basically what Jesus is saying here is that even though it may be dangerous to go to Judea, it's safer to be in the center of God's will than outside of His will, even though the center of His will makes no common sense. You may be moving into danger, but simultaneously into the center of God's will, and though it's contrary to our common sense, that's the safest place to be. The most dangerous place to be is outside of the will of God even though there may be dangers and toils and snares all around us. It reminds me of John Newton who penned in the Amazing uh, Grace lyrics, through many dangers, toils, and snares I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. He found that the safest place to be, though surrounded by dangers, was right in the middle of God's will. And then fourth, and, and finally, in terms of things that confuse our faith, death itself does. Let's read on beginning in verse 11. It says, after saying these things, Jesus said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. And the disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest and sleep. And then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may, we may die with him. You know, death is really the final test of our faith, is it not? And, and when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, when death comes knocking on our door, when we hear those words that so-and-so has died, what does that do to our faith? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and your faith has grown, God is preparing you for, well, for a transition that is sort of like falling asleep. In the Bible and in the New Testament especially, uh, death is described in kind of a euphemistic way as, as falling asleep. And in one sense, a believer in Jesus Christ dies, and when they're lying in the casket or in the grave, it kind of looks like they're asleep, and they wake up in the presence of the Lord, absent from the body, present with the Lord, the Bible teaches us there. So those are just some things that maybe throw our faith into confusion. The question is this. Where is God when life hurts? Uh, where is God when you're, you're thrown into one of these kinds of circumstances? Uh, where is God when you need a miracle like Mary and Martha and Lazarus did? Where is He in circumstances like this? Well, as we move further along in the story here, a few thoughts unfold in my mind. Uh, the first is this, that, that Jesus is a present reality. He's a, he's a very, very present reality. And let's pick it up in, um, in verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. 
Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brothers. So when Mary heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met Him. But Mary remained seated in the house. That's how we always find Martha and Mary, isn't it? You know, Mary's the one that's seated at the feet of Jesus and serving. Martha is the one who's busy, busy, busy. Martha is the one whose heart is so disturbed here. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. That's the best news she had gotten that day. Your brother will rise again. Verse 24, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Now, if Martha were a seminary student, she'd get an A-plus in theology. She, she knows her theology well. Uh, she, she has some understanding of biblical theology of the afterlife. I know my brother will rise again on that final day, the day of resurrection. If you're facing a crisis today, if you're tempted to question God's methods and His plans, be encouraged today. Open the pages of His Holy Word and you'll see time and again that our tough times are designed to increase our faith and to reveal His glory. Hello friend, I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed something good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to something good, which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 828, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. Partnership is essential to carry out God's will on earth. David had Jonathan. The Apostle Paul had Silas and Barnabas. Even Jesus had the help of his disciples. Today, with your help, Something Good Radio will continue to reach people with the gospel through these programs. And when you partner with us, we'll send along a few welcome gifts, including our monthly special offers, plus a free subscription to Something Good Devotional Magazine. To join the 828 Club today, please visit somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Or call 757-276-1099. If you can't become a partner but would like to make a donation to Something Good Radio today, we'd love for you to have the complete audio download of the series you're hearing now, Believe the Miracles of Jesus. That's Believe the Miracles of Jesus. Our gift to you by request for your gift to Something Good Radio. 
Make a donation online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. I'm just wanting to suggest to you here that when, when life hurts and you're asking, where is God? He's always in the right place at the right time because His ultimate goal is not to console us, but to glorify Himself. Let Him choose the time He shows up and performs the miracle or does what needs to be done. And here, He's right there at just the right time. He's had the little uh, theology class with Martha and with Mary and others. He's involved others in the miracle here, and He raises Lazarus from the dead. That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Lazarus Miracle. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis saying God bless and thanks for listening.